I'm Charlie Albone, and welcome to episode six of That's How We Grow, in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. Your home is your castle, and few countries rival Australia for passion around home ownership. Plenty of time is spent discussing the importance of the interior of a home prior to sale, but you can't underestimate the importance of a well-presented garden. Your garden can reflect and present your home in the best possible light. It can show the beauty of your home and demonstrate all the living options to the next owners. The garden will become an additional room for the home. So preparing your garden prior to sale should not be ignored. You'll clean and decorate the inside, so don't forget to do the garden as well. And it doesn't take much to give the garden a tidy up. Give it a quick clean, head out to that neglected patch or shrub that's quickly doubled in size. Fertilize your lawn to ensure it's green and lush. Prune your trees to help give them shape and get your pressure cleaner out to the hard surfaces. All of these small jobs will make a huge difference come sale time. Today, I'm speaking with my old friend from Selling Houses Australia, Andrew Winter. Now, Winty is an expert on real estate, but he is a pretty ordinary gardener. I'm very, very excited this week because finally we have the elusive Andrew Winter with us. He has finished fake tanning. He's finished waxing his body completely at the salon. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. I'm not the real one. <laughs> You're fake one, are you? <laughs> You're just an actor. I'm still at the tanning salon. Oh, very nice. Very yes. nice. How have you been, Andrew? Oh, very good. I'm obviously missing you deeply. Obviously you are. You yes. Obviously are. And, and so why are you, what, why what, are you calling me? Well, you know, we're going to have a little chat about, don't worry, don't, we won't talk gardens, we'll talk property. Oh, thank goodness um, for that. But what do you, I, I see that you've got Love It or List It out as well. That's pretty good. Well done. You've got something done in this last hey, year. Listen, mate, to be qu- quite honest, it's good to still be working. Quite a surprise, obviously, <laughs> at my age that I've still got a job. <laughs> uh, it's, it's we, worked, uh, sorry, we worked for, what, 13 years together on Selling Houses Australia. It, was, it must have been a joy for you. Oh, it was a delight. Absolute yeah. delight. When, when I think we first started working together in a little suburb called Botany. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember meeting you first beside a pond. Did we? Yes. You were, you were oh, looking- the pond at Botany. Yes, you yeah, were looking at the yeah, pond at Botany. You were about eight. I was, I was about eight, yeah. I, I wasn't shaving back then. I certainly <laughs> am now. No, because it was growing all up your back of your neck and everything. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. We won't go into that. <laughs> but as a, as a property expert, mm. what do you think a garden can do to a property's value? Well, actually, I really hate in front of you to admit this, but quite a lot, um, because, mm. uh, yeah, the, the truth of it is, if you've got a, a freestanding home, or actually even with a terrace or a townhouse, the, the landscaping, especially on the street frontage, it's almost mm-hmm. like a frame. Um, if you don't do it properly, if you don't surround the house, it just you'll never see any artist's impression. If you see an architect do an artist's impression of a, a new construction house, you'll never yeah. see it without some kind of greenery. And, and it's, it is literally the framing of it. So um, reluctantly, it, it is very important. So you'd say it's probably the most important thing <laughs> of a front uh, facade? Yeah. Uh, uh, of anything ever, to be honest, Charlie. No, <laughs> if, if the house still looks revolting, then it... Actually, that's not even true because you can disguise a fairly ugly house with good planting too and it needs to be fairly mature. In fact, it needs to cover the whole facade, which is a bit of an yes. Australian passion for some people. They love to hide the uh, home with greenery. Um, but no, it, it, look, it can enhance even the most drab building. You can really give it a, a lift with a good garden. Yeah, just cut holes out for the windows to the light in the house. That's and the, the one. Be garden. That's what I say. And that's what you learnt for 13 years. It, it is. <laughs> I learnt from the best. Can you tell the difference between a garden that has been done up for sale 
and one that has matured over time and sort of I, I guess you've got one end of the stick what we used to do go in do a mad cleanup and, and get it looking smart for sale and then you've got people that really care for their gardens that put the time in week after week and they get a sense of maturity. Can you pick the difference? And uh, what difference does that make to a value? Well, yes, I, I can tell you I can pick the difference. It's usually the maturity of the plants. It, yes. Because we all know that the, the more mature a plant costs, the, the, the higher the price. So if you're mm. trying to do a quick fix to sell, you obviously can't necessarily afford or, or even warrant big expenditure on on huge, huge plants. So you, you'll see a, a plant border that's that's nicely planted, very neat and tidy, but the plants might not be very big. Um, mm. Whereas somebody that's tended and loved a garden, you'll see mature hedgerows and full shrubs and flowers and everything all neat and mature. And, and that would be the difference. Um, but I mean, look, the, the difference between a completely uh, ignored garden space and a cared for, at least I've made an effort attempt, does have an impact because... Even a neglected garden, if you've renovated the house and you've renovated the interior and you've ignored the outside space, the first thing it tells any buyer is that, in theory, you're not interested in the property and you haven't maintained it, even though you have, because the first thing you're seeing is the outside space. So that's why it's important. It's that home. It's it's the impression of being well-maintained and being groomed and a, and a beautiful, mature garden that's loved. Um, oh, yeah, look, even uh, even even like me can tell the difference. Yeah, so it, it tells people that the the roof doesn't leak if the garden's looked after. But if the garden's not looked after, people think, well, the roof's going to leak and the gutters well, are going to be awful and all that sort of stuff. Would you like me to tell you a little bit of a gardening secret that I have at a house that I sold many years ago? Oh, go on. Well, I sold an old cottage in England in a place called the Cotswolds. And yes. the this cottage was on a hill and it had a probably a four, oh gosh, a four to five metre retaining wall holding up the front terrace. So there's some little steps to the left of it and this whole beautiful Cotswold stone wall was the retaining wall. It was so bowed and at any minute could collapse. But luckily enough, it had this beautiful ivy growing all over it. So my dad and I cut the ivy into shape so that you didn't see the bow in the way. So it was very thin in the middle and very thick on the outside. The wall looked absolutely straight. So what you're saying is you're a dishonest real estate agent. Well, I wasn't the agent on that's that. Unlike, that's unlike any real estate agent. A, fr- a friend you're... of mine sold it for me. Obviously, I wasn't the real estate agent of my own property. But um, no, I mean, not. I think they may have had to rebuild the retaining wall at some point. What tools did you use to get the ivy into shape? Because I find it shocking that you did any gardening. Uh, oh, no, no, I did. Because in those days, I couldn't afford to have someone do it for me. Um, and, and when my dad would say... Um, I'd say, can you help me? And it was a big wall. It was four or five metres high and about six or seven, probably about eight, nine metres long. It was a big wall. And um, Dad said, well, you're going to have to help me. He gave me some cutting things. Yeah, so you probably had a long-handled hedger. Well, yes, yes, it was. It had a great long pole on it. That's right. Telescopic one? Probably, yes. And um, But unfortunately, my dad had a lot of hand tools rather than power tools, which I think is an appalling thing. You should have power tools. I mean, why <laughs> you wouldn't you want to recharge or plug your garden tools? I can't think Absolutely. of any reason you'd want manual ones. If if someone, what, what, what do you say to people who are trying to sell their house and they've got one thing to do in the garden? What's the one thing you get them to do? It's, not, it's always the front of the house for you, isn't it? It's always the front of the house, but it's actually, it's the same as the inside. It's just it's tidying up. I think the trouble with outside spaces, I remember you, you'd you look at houses and the first thing you'd often say is, just get rid of that, get rid of that and get rid of that. There's usually mm. dead plant pots, dead plants, um, a big thick bush running down one boundary that just needs 
pruning. It's it's usually those basic things, and suddenly it looks back to that maintenance thing. It takes it back from looking like a tip to looking like something somebody loved. But usually yeah. for me, it's just getting rid of the stuff that that garden spaces seem to accumulate. And cobwebs. Pressure washers are pretty good for that sort of thing. No, no, now you're talking. Mm. No, I like a good pressure washer. Yeah. Now I have one so powerful. I ride it around like Harry Potter's. What? Uh, <laughs> oh, Harry Potter's really? Broom, See, you know? I'd, I'd like one of those because, unfortunately, the last house we had sold as a family, the buyer mm. wanted to uh, buy it with everything. So right. I lost my pressure washer. Oh. And now it's the- still one. They're pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm going to get a still one because I, I need a really high pressure still power washer because you've got your driveways and all your eaves and all the rest of it. And that they are for an Aussie garden, they are hugely important. And trust me, I want mm. one I can plug in or use an engine with. I don't want any of that manual rubbish. Now, you do joke around that you're rubbish in the garden, but you confessed to me the other day. You've, you've just bought, you've just built Winty Towers and you've yes, had a new garden again. put in. Yes. And, and you said you're enjoying pottering around in the garden. Are we going to make a gardener of you? Oh, well, you know what? I actually kind of am. Um, but I think that's because it's manageable. And I, I, I kind of like, this is the first time, I mean, we, we had um, it all beautifully landscaped in the last home we had. Um, but I remember we'd blown all the budget on the house and the plant, quote, came in or the plant allocation. And I said, to her, well, we don't want to spend all that on plants. We'll get them little ones. Of course, so as my wife keeps reminding me, most of those didn't survive because they were so little and we ended up replanting. So this time, Mrs. Winter said, you know, the plant budget, that's staying as it is. And so we got a lot more mature plants in. So it's one of those gardens that look for you, you'd hate it because it's way too small and way too low maintenance. But in fact, Mm. I kind of like it because it's something like you say, you can potter and enjoy, weed it, keep it pruned, keep it tidied. Um, and now I, got, I want to get a pressure washer obviously, to keep all the path- pathways and decks and all that clean and tidy. It's got a pool, but there's not huge amounts of greenery going in it. So it's, it's what I call a nice manageable garden. Oh, and lots of pots as well. I must admit, you know, there's a massive fashion, not just outdoors, these indoor plants as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you, lo- you lot are moving inside. Yeah, sorry, we do that. Jeez. We take hold. We never um, had plants inside <clears throat> until recently. Well, they're good for you. And they're mm. good to have inside. They're very good decorative accessories. I'm liking them. We've actually yeah, just got yeah. our first olive tree. Have you? Yes. Not inside, though. Um, yes, it's going to be inside, I believe. Yes. No, Is that okay? sunlight for it. It's going to no. go all spindly and horrible. Does it need to be put it outside? Does it need to be in a sunny spot? Very sunny spot. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll bear it's that a Mediterranean plant, so it needs lots and lots of sun. Mm. You can put it up on your roof terrace. That's a good idea. Yes. How do you know I've got a now, roof terrace? Because you've invited me to your house once. I mean, oh, yeah. I looked from the outside. You let my family in. And oh, yeah. Well, your family is more than welcome. <laughs> One reason why you don't get lots of stuff in your pool is because you've got fake grass as well, haven't you? Yes, but that's good. It's a tiny amount of grass. What would I want You're to... the only one on this podcast and anyone listening to this podcast that likes fake grass. I love it. I'm so, going to get you into an IMO. I'm going to put down grass for you and put down a robotic it's, lawnmower. It's then actually, it's just the same, no, but it's, it's not, better for you. It's not that. It's that it's such a small area that trying to keep it looking green and perfect in such a tiny space is very hard. Whereas... You get an IMO. They do it all. They yeah, mow it they, every day and it's perfect. You don't have yeah. to empty it. It's no, healthy. Them. I actually don't cool mind. down your garden. I don't mind mowing it. We've got so small amount of it. It really doesn't matter. But it's, it's um, I, do, I know your argument about it, but I, you know I love it. Yeah. Like you like fake tan. 
Anyway, um, your previous house to Winty Towers or previous houses. Yes. You don't let people um, in on this secret very much, but oh. you used to have acreage, didn't you? Yes, that was many years ago. Yes. Yeah. How did you handle the maintenance on that? <laughs> did you speak to my wife before this podcast? So your wife did it, did you? <laughs> no, no. Well, there were many incidents with chainsaws. Um, unfortunately, yeah, one of the presents I got was a chainsaw because we had right. um, we had 16 acres of which... Probably about 14. I have to confess, my wife and I actually never actually went into. Um, I remember my eldest taking my two youngest and another friend. They were going to go into the other 14 acres one day. But Mm. um, my youngest daughter got trapped on a bit of barbed wire going through the fence. So came in in tears. And that was the only time the Winters ever attempted to go into 14 of their 16 acres. Um, So we possibly weren't the perfect people to have acreage. But the two... the the take home tip for you is is get something manageable for your level of gardening, right? Yes. Well, you, you let, tried acreage and failed. Let's put it this way: what happened was yeah. we bought a house that needed total renovation and extension. Beautiful. It was a lovely piece of architecture, but yeah. what the previous owner who'd lived there for twenty five years had done was daily guard. He garden. You'd be like four or five days a week. That's what he did was look after the garden. So we looked. We Heaven. went. This is a perfect garden. Then mm-hmm. renovated the house and realised what was going wrong. Yes. He left. So you'd have to do some like pretty massive clear outs before um, you sold it, I rem- I'm sure. Well, no, because what well, the reason we sold it was because we'd want to do things on a Sunday and I would literally be clearing up palm frongs and greenery and vegetation. It would fill the whole day. It was, yeah, that's not what I call fun. That sounds like heaven. Gardening oh, all through no. the week and the weekend. It's great. Although the chainsaw bit was quite good fun, but I just kept breaking the chainsaw and then I could never put it back together again. So it ended up being very expensive. What, were you taking it apart to try and tighten it or something like that? Well, no, so it would just come off and yeah, I lost well, limbs. I lost limbs. Yeah. Most of me is plastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what to say about that. It's finally you agree with me. Yeah, it's not true, though. Yeah. Have, you got a still yeah. sh- have you got a still top on? I've got a still jumper on, yeah. Oh, good, I haven't it? got one of those. That's it's nice, isn't it? performance. Gosh, I'm just quite nice. Nice to see you've got a hoodie on as well, Andrew. Well, I have. Yes, cool and youthful. But do you know where I've been today? Where have you been? Top of a mountain in the snow. Yeah. What? Yeah. Are you filming? Mm-hmm. We so tell are. me about the house you're doing. Is there much of a clear out to do on that? <laughs> you couldn't have asked on a worse one. It's a, it's a couple of acres with a, a an old schoolhouse on it. And the guy's a sculptor, except he's into industrial sculptor. So if you can imagine every bit of machinery that's ever available on Gumtree, he's the one mm. that collects it and buys it and stores it and then makes things out of it. Um, you'd love the place. But, I mean, to try and sell it's just in- incredible. But, of course, we decided, well, we ought to, even though it's out of season, we pop up and have a little look at the snow. Because one of our team is a Queenslander has never actually seen the snow. Really? Yeah. So we took oh, him up to see the snow, yeah. Very cold. So for our listeners that are wanting to turn their properties around quickly for a sale, yep. what's the first thing they should focus on? I mean, I know they've got to get onto the front, but what's the first thing they should really be doing in the garden? I think it's that, it's that clear out. It's getting rid of all those extra things that you've accumulated. I mean, don't forget, look, if they're good plant pots, often they're really good plant pots. They've just got this sort of bit of soil left. You know what I mean? A little bit of soil yeah. left in them and nothing else. Just clean them out yeah. and put, the, put them in the in the back of the garage ready to move with you. It's, it's just about clearing out that first thing because my, my, when you're selling a house, if it's a freestanding house or even if it's, it's a townhouse or a terrace, just do the walk-up test. 
Go halfway down the street, walk back up to the houses if you've never seen it before and just look around. You know, if the screen, you'll know my bugbear about screen doors. Mm. Um, if screens and that are covered in cobwebs and they're tired and if there's any old plant pots or dead greenery or dead grass or anything like that, uh, concrete it all. No, no, you don't concrete it all. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, you really don't concrete it all. That would be yeah. terrible. Um, but yeah, it's it, and, and fix, you know, the garden gate's not perfect. If you can't afford a new one, just take it off. It, it's one of those things. It's it's about the aesthetic overall. And, and like you say, Charlie, and I hate to agree with it, the greenery and, and that fresh looking plants and, and nicely mowed grass does look great. It has a yeah, massive a, impact. There's a fine line between ripping everything out and trying to control everything. You need to tidy up, obviously, but then you need to get your hedges in control and you, you need to get them to a level where they're manageable. So you need to use a hedge trimmer or, or like we said, a telescopic hedge trimmer to get them sorted. Clean out any brambles or anything like that, any overgrown stuff. You might need a chainsaw to do that. The lawn, brush cutters, that sort of stuff. Just really get on top of everything and trying to, to make it look as tidy as possible. I We never got the... Um, the time on selling houses to do it properly where you manage it we go in smash it over and then open it up straight away ideally you want to be doing it you know a couple of months in advance don't you so your garden can kind of recover relax put on a bit of growth and look less staged i guess that would be the sort of i mean even i can agree with you there if you cut a hedge back today for the first Week, it doesn't look great. It just needs that mm. little bit of extra maturity. And, and the other tip really for um, not just the facade of a home, but all around, if you do have greenery close to the actual building itself, make sure it isn't co- and, and covering all the windows because there's nothing worse. There's no, nothing wrong with a bit of shading, but actually mm. cover, it just creates a darkness and gloom. And also you can get, get green mould on the outside facade of the house and it causes all sorts of problems and can even invite those lovely little termites in too. So just keep that yes. greenery back from the actual building itself. Or put in decent protection to, to stop that stuff from damaging the, the That's building. a good idea too. And and then tell the people who are trying to buy your house how much work you've done to it. Yes, yes, and don't mention the word termites. <laughs> no, don't mention don't don't mention the termites. Uh, when it comes to a back garden, how important is sort of having having a purpose in that back garden, or is it better just to clear everything out? Well, actually, that that depends. That's the fun thing with um, properties because as as Charlie will have seen on the years selling houses, we did a lot of older properties, sort of things that were built 50s, 60s and 70s. And the backyard then was a very different thing. The backyard had the hills hoist in it. It was where you hung the washing. Your kids might play backyard cricket. Um, you grow a few vegetables and that would be really the purpose of the backyard. You didn't really sit there or entertain whereas today the whole focus is different it's about having a space to sit with friends or family play out there the trampolines out Mm. there you might have a backyard pool that's probably going to be in the backyard um it's all about having a yeah private retreat somewhere on your property so that area has to have a absolutely has to have a purpose and some definition so you want a bit that is where you would sit and you want a Mm. bit that where you've got your greenery but the trouble is the place you sit always I often see the trouble is has to have something to look at. It's no good just looking at a boring fence. Um, I, I, and I'm not obviously wanting to give you any credit here, but in fact, I remember Charlie Orbone, the places used to actually really do amazing stuff in what tend to be the really tiny garden spaces where you've got a, I don't know, a five metre by five metre courtyard. And if you're going to sit there, you're just looking at a boring old fence. And those are the ones that were the real challenge to actually create an outdoor space you'd want to sit in. Yet you could still do it in a tiny area like that. 
you know why I did so well with the small ones? Because you never gave me any money. <laughs> so it goes a lot further in a smaller oh, space. Well, the, the new people bring their own money. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so are you seeing any trends in gardens um, that, you know, that are really attracting buyers' interest? Um, I, th- I think it's more more the use of use of the garden than, than anything okay. than than actual. Obviously, I don't really note pl- well. I probably do subconsciously note differences in plants and things like that. Mm. But I think that the important thing for me is that the garden matches the house. I think you yeah. know if you've got there's nothing. I think I remember we were shooting um, Love It or List it last season, and we were in 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 a, st- a lovely old part of Sydney in a lovely suburban street, and there was a single fronted bungalow there, and it had the most beautiful what I would call cottage garden, lots mm. of flowers and lots of little pathways, and it was really beautiful. But it was in it had the facade of a 1900s home behind it. It looked absolutely glorious, but that yes. wouldn't work on a black modern day box. It just no. You, it, it, that's sometimes, not... if you have a very different garden style to your house, it can work, but you have to get it spot on. If it's just slightly off, it can look terrible. So that's and that's it's a, very difficult, and to that's do. a general design theory for for insides as well. You know, you have to be sort of really good at being able to get away with something that that breaks all the rules. So generally, it's mm. better to play it safe. And if you've got that sort of, if you've got a big classic six or 700 square meter garden, then one of the reasons people are attracted to those is because usually it's got lawn space. It's got yes. space for kids and animals and that. So you don't want to clutter it up with greenery everywhere. It's about well, framing you do. You that. want lawn. Lawn is still lawn. greenery. Andrew. Yes, but framing that lawn space and, yes. and, and hiding the drab fencing and things like that so that it's got a nice backdrop. But if you've got a courtyard garden, then obviously, again, you need to free up the floor space and push everything mm. to the fences so that you've actually got somewhere to sit. Um, and the style of it, it, it's nice if it does kind of blend with the, the architecture. A very contemporary garden with a very contemporary piece of architecture is lovely. Yes, yeah, so a small garden, uh, if you want to make it feel a bit bigger, trying to blur those lines where fences meet the floor and they, and they meet in corners by putting your planting around the outside will make it feel bigger because you don't have that instant knowing exactly where your boundaries are. So that's good. But I think the, the, like you said, people like big gardens and they and if you're getting a house with a big block, you want the whole garden. You want the big lawn, you want the mature trees, you want the hedges because you're interested in, in looking after it all, as you would. Oh, absolutely. The, the one it. trend that actually, just thinking about it, that I have seen and that I've even tried to start with my own home is, of course, trailing plants down facades mm. of apart, even apartment buildings. You've done tall gardens on, on buildings and things like that. And there's actually, in, where I live on the, on the Gold Coast, there's, there's only, I've only seen it once. There's a, an apartment building they built probably a year or two ago, and they've got all these front balconies with planters, with the plants, the green nutrient. It is stunning. It's just yeah. the most beautiful thing. And each apartment, you know, obviously has access to the plants. So it's not actually that hard to maintain. You don't need to get cranes or all that sort of complicated element to it. And it, but the difference, how it softens the building. So it's, it's actually okay making the frame part of the building, but um, I, I really like that. I think that blend of the building and, and the planting looks stunning. Yeah, it's all about getting the right plant for the right spot, though. You know, you need, it's a very harsh life living on the side of a building, and your maintenance requirements have to be pretty low because obviously getting to it is quite difficult. But it does look good. It's good for the building as well. It helps to cool it down and, and has lots of benefits for the local environment but, but as, well. as you say the, choosing that planting can be that's when you really need good advice isn't it because i know when we wanted to choose plants we, we would like trying to work it out and you end up having to get 
say, well, because you're at a coastal location or you're in a street, like obviously if you're in a street, you've got a lot of pollution to deal with a plant. Mm. Or if you're in direct sunlight or if it never gets sun, I suppose there's quite a lot of elements to that. You'd need somebody that was you. really good at their, good in their field. Are you talking plants and how to pick Man, them? I know. You've changed. I'd, Next I'd, you'll be talking about how important the soil is. Goodness gracious. Oh, that's the mucky stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or in your case, the sandy stuff. Yes, the very sand. Oh, my God, we don't have any soil. It's just sand. What difference do you find between your new place, which is right by the beach, yep. and your acreage, which obviously was was not near the beach as um, when it comes to the garden? Well, the, the the I remember clearly the acreage, the soil was absolutely dark red, if, mm. if that makes any sense. And all I know is that I remember we... we one, one weekend, my wife and I decided to go and have a big clear up and tidy all these borders up and everything. We weeded and we cleared and all the rest of it. And then we got some rain the following day. <laughs> By two days later, all the weeds had just regrown. It was just like, oh, my God. It was such fertile soil. Uh, yes. We then had another home after that that we didn't really realize was built on clay. Oh, my God, that was a disaster. You yeah, can't dig horrible. into it and then you find it's got water gets trapped in layers of clay and then turns up and we had a, a one one of my favorite plants which is a grass tree and we put a gl- grass tree in a particular spot and it died and when we ri- lift it up we found there's a pool of water there because that's exactly where the the clay funneled the water yes grass trees are tricky actually because uh, and here's a fancy word for you they have a symbiotic relationship with fungi in the soil what that basically is that sex means talk is that- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rude talk. Uh, basically, they survive by having certain bacteria in the soil with them. So when you move them, you can kill that bacteria and you can kill the tree. Ah. However, you might not know that the tree's dead for up to six months. So you could already be buying a dead grass tree and it looks alive. You get it in and, and it dies. So they're really tricky. Well, we've replanted. So we're now, like you say, in, in a, a beachside location, and l- literally, it is all sand other than what the, mm. the landscapers have put on the top. And we have planted um, a grass tree that we had in a pot. Um, and so far so good. It seems to be okay, but it's um, yeah. it's a plant we like. And the trouble is that they seem to be one of those plants that if it's happy, it will thrive almost through neglect. But if it isn't happy, it just dies. There's no sort of halfway with it. Yeah, absolutely. When you're coming to sell a house and, and we talk about Australian native plants like the grass tree, yep. do you ever like putting a certain style onto a garden that you're trying to sell or is it better to just try and keep it as broad as possible to attract as many people as possible? I think you, it depends who you're, you're targeting. Um, you know, your average family buyer that's looking for a, a, a decent sized garden is probably going to look for lower maintenance. So native mm. plants that don't need too much TLC, things that just need watering every now and again and weeding and pruning and stuff like that tend to have a more mass appeal. Um, I, I have seen places that have beautiful, intricate gardens get and, and people get frightened by them because they might be like me thinking, oh, my gosh, that's going to take a lot of maintenance. Um, mm. So it, it does it does kind of depend on who you're targeting. Um, high maintenance gardens are all well and good, but they don't appeal to a lot of people. Um, I think well, a lot of people that you don't talk to, <laughs> you don't talk to gardeners. <laughs> yeah. A high maintenance garden is very attractive to gardeners. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, look at my place. I bought it and you said to me, oh gosh, think of all the maintenance you'll have to do. And I was filled with joy. I was like, yes, I could be gardening forever. Yes. I mean, look, I do understand why you live on five acres because, you know, um, it does mean that you're very busy. You don't have to go and see people. Yeah, like you. I can stay well away from you. I'm, yeah, but not just me. You know, I like people too. (laughs) 
It's only one. So, Winter, you know I'm trying to get you an IMO for your fake grass so you can replace it for Sorry, real grass. Sorry, a what? An IMO. It's an, a robot mower, you know, so you don't have to do anything. It just cuts the grass and, and so, it looks- so wait, 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 wait. I don't have to do anything. It does it for me? It does it all for you. It's all programmed. Oh, yes. Okay. So I want one of those. How, how much would something like that be a benefit when you're selling a house? Like things you could add to that as well would be an automated irrigation system, yep. lighting, you know, sending all your garden information through a tech system in the house. Is that a good selling point or does it just make a house more desirable, doesn't actually add value? Look, whether it actually adds specific value, it's it's part of the package, I guess. But these days, that sort of tech where, you know, you can turn your aircon inside on or off, but to be able to do your irrigation outside and think while you're away on holiday, actually, I think is fantastic. It's one of those, it's those little selling points that do make a difference. I mean, mm. obviously with your lawnmower, that's not necessarily something that's going to be left behind, but certainly irrigation systems and lighting, which are these days crucial part of the garden, to have those linked to it, to your Wi-Fi network is, yeah, absolute. It's a real selling feature. Would you say it's important to have, if you've got, you know, spend a bit of money on garden lighting. Is it important to have that open house when you can see the garden lighting, or are you just a real estate agent? You tell everyone it's fabulous. No, no, you, you would do you would do twilight um, inspections because the the outdoor lighting create. You know, even in the most plain garden can suddenly look stunning um, yeah. with with really good lighting. And again, it's something that a lot of people don't bother to do. So if you've done it, you really want to show it off. Yeah, it, it's one of those things you need to do straight away as soon as you move in somewhere, so you get to enjoy it. Rather yes, than and, do and, it to sell and, it. And a little tip I would give people is that if they're ever going to do it, do plan this because there are often times I see that the trouble is they can't run the connection or the power under the concrete driveway <laughs> to get it to the yeah. other side. They want the lighting on both sides of a driveway or a patio and they can't run the cable underneath it. So, yeah, plan, as you say, Charlie, if, if you're about to redo your garden, incorporate the lighting um, and irrigation system into the plans from day one. Yeah, you need to think, even if you're not going to be putting them in immediately, you need to have the provision for it. So under slabs, well, you need to have a loop basically that runs around your garden, a continuous loop. So you need to make the provisions for that. And that does hardly cost anything to do at the time of a build or a renovation. And it, like you say, you can then add to it at a later stage and then connect it up to all your Wi-Fi network. Yeah. What yeah, is a Wi-Fi network again? The thing that you don't have a very good okay. one of at the moment. <laughs> I don't, but that's because I'm in the snowy mountains. Oh, yes. Jet set are you. Oh, I know. I go everywhere, just not home. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, I guess you said your number one tip when it comes to selling a house is just make sure it's neat and tidy. Is that what people should be taking away from that, this? That, re that really is it. But uh, the, the, other, the other trick that you used to use at selling houses also that livened up any garden space, front, back or side, whatever, is the use of, of plants in plant pots. Because the beauty of those is if you do spend a little bit too much, well, they're not necessarily included in the price. So they can come with you and they can liven up the next garden area. So that's always a good tip. If you really want to, to liven up the facade of a house and use pots and lovely plants, you can take them with you. That could not have been more said like a real estate agent <laughs> if you tried. Oh, you can take them with you. Yes, then you don't know Someone who's never to... moved a plant pot in his Excuse life. Excuse me, I have. Goodness me. As I said, I didn't always be able to get people uh, to move them for me. <laughs> well, Winty, it's been an absolute pleasure. I guess I'll ask you two more questions. One is, is it Miami Nights or is it Rio Beach? What's that? Your, 
your fake tan. So that sadly, because I'm thinking of doing it myself. Yes, okay. Well, it's all natural, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Yeah, I am sorry. You you know that. We know your hair isn't, but my tan is. <laughs> That's true. It's not. Mine's a wig. <laughs> and the and, second uh, question is, how much do you miss me on selling houses? Sorry, were you were you the Charlie sorry, or the Shana? You? <laughs> so were you the Charlie or the Shana? I can't remember that. Yeah, you got rid of both of us. I yeah. left and then Shana left because she couldn't stand you without mm, me. No, you know what it is, mate. You need it on Better Homes and Gardens. I need it on the next selling home. We need a cheating scandal. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Um, to garden, you need a cheating scandal. <laughs> that's, well, actually, that's what re- selling real estate is a little bit, but we won't tell anybody that. Yeah. We call well, them hints well, and tips. <laughs> I'll be sending you a pressure washer to clean your house up oh, uh, straight after Oh, brilliant, this. brilliant. I shall be doing it in my budgie smuggler as soon as I get back into Queensland. Oh, God, I hope not. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks for your time, mate, I think. <laughs> it's been absolutely your pleasure. Yeah, it has. So now it is time to get on to our community questions. And we've got a couple here. The first one is from Elise from Somerville in Victoria. She says, we've just moved into a new house with a bigger garden. The previous owners, unfortunately, were not keen gardeners. They trimmed the trees and hedges, but they left all the clippings on the lawn and in the beds. We've cleared the year's worth of trimmings, but not much has been growing lately. What would you recommend to get everything growing? Well, Elise, first of all, I hope you haven't removed everything off-site, because that sort of stuff in the garden beds and on the lawns makes fantastic compost. So you could pile that up and use that in the gardens once it's broken down. But because that's going to take a little bit of time to compost down, you're probably going to want to buy some in. Now you can use this as a mulch in your existing garden beds. The earthworms are going to come and drag that into the soil, help it hold on to water and nutrients. If you've got open garden beds, you can dig that compost through the top layer and it's going to start working even quicker. Now when it comes to your lawn, you're going to want to run an aerator through it or just get a garden fork, plunge it into the soil and get some air back into it. You could then top dress that with some coarse sand and that's going to stop the holes from caving in, but it's going to still maintain that air level. Then what you want to do to the lawn and the garden beds is fertilize everything. So for your lawn, you want something high in nitrogen. For your garden beds, you just want an all-purpose fertilizer. And then you're going to soak everything with a hose and give it a really good soak for a couple of weeks just to make sure all that fertilizer, all that compost and all that aerating really, really goes to work and then your garden is going to be looking cracking. Don't forget, the more you prune stuff, the denser it's going to be. So for your hedges, don't let them grow up really tall to the height you want. Just keep trimming things back, keep on top of it, and your garden should be looking great. Our next question is from Lynn in New South Wales. Now, Lynn asks, we just planted a clumping bamboo last spring with the aim of creating a privacy screen from our neighbours. Unfortunately, 12 months later, it has barely grown. Is there anything we can do to encourage growth or what else would you recommend we plant? Now, clumping bamboo is excellent for screening. Don't get mistaken with running bamboo. Now, running bamboo is a terrible thing that once you plant it, it will end up in your neighbours and in the next 10 suburbs suburbs along. It's a horrible thing. But clumping bamboo does exactly what it says on the tin. Basically, if you're using something like a slender weaver, it will only ever get to a metre and a half across, but it will get to six metres in height. And they're all like that. They all do exactly what each variety says it's going to do. So it's a good option for you. However, you've got to remember it is a member of the grass family. So it's going to like all the things that grass likes. Lots and lots of water to really kick it on and lots and lots of nitrogen rich fertilizer. So you could use a lawn fertilizer on it. 
I would start with that, probably improve the soil around with some compost, put some fertilizer down and lots and lots of water, and hopefully it should kick on. If it doesn't though, you might want to think about replacing it with something else. And you're going to want to go with something that can be kept really slimline and grows up tall. Deciduous plants like capital pears are perfect, but I understand that you're after some screening, so you're probably going to want to try something evergreen like a water housier. This is a rainforest tree that can be kept comfortably to three meters, or it can grow up to eight. And it really responds well to pruning and can be kept quite thin. If you've got a bit of a darker spot, you might want to try something like a podocarpus. It is quite slow growing, but it will go really high and really thin. So best of luck with it. Well, do you have a gardening question you'd like me to answer? Send me an email, charlie at still.com.au. Well, a big thank you to my old friend, Andrew Winter, for joining me today. It's always good to have a chat with Winty, but what did we learn? Well, I didn't learn, but I was reminded that Andrew is still a hopeless gardener. You can't underestimate the importance of a beautiful garden making a great first impression. And having a well-maintained garden paints a picture for your whole property. If the garden is well-maintained, then the house will be in good condition as well. Even if you have a small garden, there are things you can do to make a big impression. But you have to focus on the details and don't forget to add in some greenery. Thanks for listening to That's How We Grow, in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. On our next episode, we're going to be speaking with David Lachlan from the Sydney Botanic Gardens. And we're going to be discussing all things garden maintenance. Do you need the tools to take on any garden challenge? Go to the Still website or head to your local Still dealer today. You can find Still on Instagram, which is at still underscore au. And you can follow me on Instagram as well, at charlie underscore albone. And don't forget to check out the Stills blog with plenty of great gardening advice. I'm Charlie Albone. Thanks for listening. Until next episode, goodbye.